Father God, I, I thank You for this place. I thank You for these people, God. I thank You for this church. And God, as we, as we, uh, as we begin to talk about what the church is here for, Lord, God, I just pray that Your Holy Spirit would fill this place. That You would fill our hearts and our minds. That You would open them to what You might have to say. God, I pray that it would be Your words that are spoken here this morning and not mine. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, when I first got into ministry, I was living right down the street in Bellevue. And I was uh, working part-time at a church there. And so uh, I went and I got a a part-time job at a coffee shop. Off of Gatto Coffee Shop, if you've ever lived in that area, it's not there anymore. And I, I loved working there, but uh, I felt really challenged um, with all these different people, all these different walks uh, of life coming into this coffee shop. And it used to be set up, and it was almost like a bar. And people would sit there, and I would stand behind, and I'd be serving people their coffee. And I got to talking to a lot of people uh, about a lot of life's heavy stuff. Why am I here? What's... What's the purpose? What's the, what's the point? And I would, I would enter into these amazing conversations, and I'd always try to bring them back to Christ. And I found myself being really stretched and really challenged because it wasn't something I naturally wanted to do. But later, the more and more and more it happened, the more and more I found that God, throughout my entire life from that point forward, just put me in these places and talking to these people to be able uh, to share Christ with others outside the walls of the church. And it, it still happens to this day. It's kind of part of my DNA. I'm almost like addicted to it. I just love to talk to people outside the walls about life and about life's big important questions that we all kind of neglect to ask and talk about. So much so that it's kind of a, an inside joke with my wife and I. My, I can remember sitting in a staff meeting a couple of weeks ago and my wife texted me and said, I got really bad news. And I got real concerned. Are the kids okay? What's wrong? What's happening? Is the house burning down? And she texted back and said, you missed the Jehovah's Witnesses. They were here today. And I laughed, but it was true because I wanted, you know, I just love to talk to people. Um, I just love to talk to them about Christ. When I do, oftentimes uh, I don't even mention what I do for a living. But sooner or later it usually comes up. Or when I invite someone to a church, I say, hey, I work for a pretty good church. Would you come to church? I I often uh, find I I hit a brick wall when that happens. When I start to bring up the word church, that's when all kinds of spiritual conversations that people are willing to have with me suddenly shut down. And uh, and they might get angry or or frustrated or or they, they might retreat back into the world again. And I, I found that, uh, you know, this, in this video, this is the next generation. You know, a lot of you in this room, you're only, a, if at all, a couple years older than a lot of these folks. And this is the generation I'm working with. And I find that a lot of people, they're really interested in talking about spiritual matters, but they're not interested in the church. In fact, uh, it wasn't long ago, I went to the North Allegheny football game to support some of our students there. And uh, I met someone there who, who uh, graduated the same year I did, lived uh, uh, practically across the street, across town uh, of Wexford, and, and we knew all of the same people. 
And so we started talking a little bit, and a couple of days later, this past Wednesday, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was writing down these words that I'm speaking to you right now, and kind of even struggling with what it is I wanted to talk about today. And, uh, and this person, she wrote me a Facebook message out of the blue and said, why do you do what you do for a living? And so I was like, hey, there's another opportunity. So I started asking some questions. We started talking, and I said, are you a churchgoer? And this was her response. I am not a churchgoer. I am highly spiritual and feel a strong connection with God, but don't feel that church is for me. I went to Catholic school as a kid and went to a church in high school, and neither was quite right for me. What I learned in Catholic school and church and in my own personal relationship with God has shaped my beliefs, but as nerdy as it sounds, I feel most connected with God in nature. Not that there's anything wrong with that. When I hike, I, I feel a lot of clarity and it helps me to, to talk to God. I also try to focus more on living my life as a good, forgiving, and loving person each day. I guess I feel a little more self-motivated to be a, a good person rather than go to church. Why do people avoid the church today? You know, I think that a lot of people don't really understand what the church is and why it's here. In fact, I've worked for a lot of churches, and I think a lot of churches don't really understand what they're here for. Now, when I say the church, I don't mean Christ Church or even the church down the street. I mean the American church, right? The big church. Some people, they'll tell me that they've been burned by the church. They've been hurt by the church. I want to do a little mass confession here. If you grew up Catholic, we're going to have both mass and confession at the same time, okay? If you've been hurt by someone in the church at any time in your life, would you just kind of raise your hand a little bit? Yeah, a lot of hands going up. Me too. I've worked for a lot of churches, been burned by a lot of churches. Or some people, they'll say to me, and this is the big one, they'll say, you know, I know a lot of people, I see a lot of people who go to church and there's something about it, it just doesn't seem to be working. I know these people. <laughs> They're jerks, right? It doesn't seem to be working. You know what's interesting is I hear the same thing from young people about marriage. Is they'll say, I, I, I want to have a relationship when I get older, but I don't know if I want to get married because I've seen a lot of marriages just not work out. It seems to not be working. This morning's scripture that Jared uh, read for us today describes the events of the birth of of the very first church. The very first church. What happened was Jesus left his earthly life. The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and all kinds of miraculous wonders and signs were happening, so much so that the people in the town were confused. Some of them said, man, these guys must be drunk. Others said, man, there's some crazy stuff going on down in this town. And this large, this large group of people started gathering to find out what was happening. Peter looked around and stood up and filled with the Holy Spirit, preached the Super Bowl of all sermons. 3,000 people came to Christ and joined the church. And that was the very first church. That's how it began. And so I got to thinking to myself, I wonder, I wonder what it was. What is different today than back then? Because it's the same message. What was it 
that Peter and the rest of the apostles understood. Let me read for you the the last few verses in in Acts 2, starting with verse 40. With many other words, he warned them. Peter warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is important. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. They joined the church. They said, sign me up. I'm in. In this series, over the past many weeks, we've been talking about what on earth am I here for? And in the next few minutes with you, I want to talk about what on earth is the church here for? Why do we exist? What's the point? And what I want to do is I want to take you back in time. And even though I could pull up dozens and dozens of scriptures of of Peter and Jesus' relationship, I just want to highlight a few. Because when Jesus first met Peter, his name was Simon. And Jesus says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. Because you are the catalyst, you are the one that I'm going to build my church around. He doesn't say that it's going to be Peter's church, it's going to be Christ's church. But he says, you're going to be the first one to step up as we read about this this morning. So why does the church exist? Well, let's first take a look of uh, when Peter first met Jesus. And it starts with a couple of other guys. In John chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. The following day... John, now this isn't John the writer of the book, this is John the baptizer. The following day, John the baptizer was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Okay, so we got John the baptizer. He's got a couple of followers himself, a couple of disciples. And what John would have been doing was be teaching them, preparing the way for the Messiah to come. So then Jesus walks down the road. John says, look, there he is. And these two guys say to John, peace, I'm out. And they go and they begin to follow Jesus, right? Because that's what it was all about. So they begin to follow Jesus. And then look look what happens in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. You know, we don't know much about Andrew, the disciple. In fact, of all the scriptures written about Andrew, it pretty much says that some amazing things were happening around the life of Jesus, and Andrew and these other disciples were there. Except for two stories. Two stories pop out about Andrew. The first one is when Jesus uh, fed over 5,000 people, and he multiplied some bread and some fish to do that. Well, Andrew was the one who went and found the bread and fish. He stole them from some kid's lunch, and he he brought them to Jesus and said, this is all we have, right? The other story is what we just read, that Andrew was the one who brought his brother Peter, right? Peter, the, the amazing disciple, the amazing apostle, The one that we read all about. Andrew was the one who brought Peter to Christ. See, Andrew is a finder of lost things. You know, we may not know a lot about Andrew. We may not think that he's very important. But he did something very important, very important this day. Is he introduced Peter to Christ. That's the first reason why the church exists. 
If you're taking notes, we'll put it up on the screen. It's a place to meet Christ. The big fancy word here that we've been using is evangelism. All that means is introducing someone to Christ. My little girls, I just love it. I think I've told you this before, especially my daughter Kira, who's just kind of barely putting sentences together, will walk up to just random people on the street and say, Hi, me Kira, this me dad. Right? She just introduces people to me. Random people on the street. It's the same way with us. We introduce people to Jesus Christ. Now, the church isn't the only place to meet Christ, but it's a pretty good one. In fact, I know a lot of people who've gone to church uh, not to meet Christ, but for other reasons. In fact, me myself, I, I started going to youth group because there was pretty girls and there was pizza. you know. But I met Jesus along the way. And, and that is what the church is geared for. The line keeps going. Evangelism keeps happening through relationships. Picking up on verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel, and he told him. Right? We see a lineage starting. John the baptizer, he invited Andrew to start following Jesus. So Andrew goes and gets his brother Peter, and he starts following Jesus. Then Philip met Jesus, and he stuck around because Andrew and Peter is from their hometown, and they already have relationships with each other, right? They all played for the Bethsaida Bears, and they were in the homecoming uh, team together, and they, they had homeroom together, right? They knew each other. There was relationships forming. And then Philip went and invited Nathaniel. We begin to see evangelism happening through relationships. You know, you and I, we were created, we were formed by Christ, we were designed and hardwired to have relationships. Now I want to tell you something that's going to make your brain hurt a little bit, okay? We were designed to have relationships because God exists in relationship to himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but He exists in relationship to Himself. Way back in the beginning of Genesis, we read God saying, let us make man in our image. Right? The image of God in relationships. We're built and hardwired and designed to have relationships. And when we don't have those relationships, something feels broken. Something kind of hurts. In fact, I bet all of you in this room, if you think back to some of the strongest pain that you felt in your life, it's probably some kind of emotional pain over a broken relationship. Right? We're designed to have them. And when we don't, there's a gap inside of us. And a lot of us, including myself, we're willing to do almost anything to fill that gap. I can remember going off to college. I can remember day one going to IUP. I said, me and you, Jesus, let's do this together. I remember saying that in my head, as cheesy as it is. A few days later, I joined a fraternity and I was parting my brains out. Why? Because I didn't have these relationships and I began to sell out a lot of my morals and beliefs and anything I could, any, just to get people in my life. We're, we're designed and hardwired for it, so if we don't have relationships with other believers, excuse me, believers, we feel broken. We search for a place to belong. That's the second reason why the church exists, to be a place to belong. Big fancy word here is fellowship. You and I are designed to, to connect with other people. Now, the next event in Peter's life with Jesus I want to talk about is when Jesus 
came and there was a, a large crowd gathering around him and, and he had this uh, teaching, this sermon he wanted to preach and there was Peter and he was fishing on this boat. So Jesus said to Peter, hey, let me go out on your boat so I can speak to all the people kind of give me a platform to talk from. So they did. And after that was done, you know, Peter, he was a fisherman. It wasn't such a great day. There was no catch. There was no fish coming in. But Jesus said to Peter, hey, look, cast your net over here. Peter argued with him a little bit, but Jesus said, trust me, just cast your net over here. So he did, and Peter brought in this huge load of fish. Now, no one is exactly sure how much time has passed from when Jesus first met Peter and this moment. Some people say it's as short as 24 hours. I read a a book from a a great theologian who said it could have been as long as a year and a half. But regardless, what was happening was relationships were being built, community was being formed, And this miracle happened, and we pick up with what Simon Peter says. Luke 5, verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that he had caught, as were others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. In this reading, we see Peter do what I call the first turn, the first life change. He said, Everything this world has to offer me, I don't want it. I want to follow you. I want to follow you, Jesus. Look at what he says. He he becomes a believer. He calls Jesus Lord. He declares Jesus Christ as Lord and he recognizes his sin and his separation from God. He says, leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Then Jesus invites him to enter into a different kind of relationship, a teacher-student relationship. The text says that they left everything to follow Jesus. In another translation, or another book of the Bible rather, it says uh, that they dropped their nets to follow him. This was, this was their identity. This was who they were. These guys were fishermen every single day. They left that to follow Jesus. Do you know what a Sherpa is? A Sherpa is, is uh, this guy who lives in the mountains, and we have these mountain climbers that people want to like Climb Mount Everest, right? Adventure seekers. And, and they need a Sherpa to guide them up the mountain. And what's interesting is, is when a Sherpa walks, he walks in certain places where he knows that the ice and the rocks are sturdy for him to make it up the mountain. And these people, they follow him. They literally put their feet in the same footsteps as the Sherpa because they know that ground is going to be true. Jesus invites the church in this uh, next reason why we exist, to be a place to grow, right? Discipleship. He says, I will teach, you will follow. I will lead, and you will follow. The root word uh, to disciple is discipline. That we're going to practice certain spiritual disciplines in our life in order for us to grow. I think of a plant. In fact, there's a 
a verse in the Bible where they use this particular word. I never understood what this word was, so I had to look it up. The word is burgeoness. And it, it talks about that we should grow as a plant burgeons from the ground. As I looked it up, the, the word means to grow with such force, right? Such energy that it pushes its way up through the ground. That's the way that we ought to grow. But here's the problem. And this is a big problem in the church. As we begin to get into a comfort zone. Because if you, if you look at these first few areas of the church here, right? It's really kind of all about you at first. I mean, Jesus, He is now investing in these people. right? He's building relationships with them. He's teaching them. The church, we're investing in people. We're, we're creating places for people to connect and we're, we're investing and teaching in people and we begin to get comfortable with that. We like that. We say, yeah, give me more. Invest in me. Now, Jesus knew that this was going to be a problem. Because the very next step he took with Peter and these other guys was to to push them out of their comfort zone, right? So that they would grow burgeonously to to put a little pressure so that they would grow. And what he did was he gathered 12 of them together. He said, my disciples, you're going to continue to be disciples, but I have a new word for you. It's apostles, which means the one who is sent. He says, I'm going to send you. Now it's time to go out. You've come, you've left the world, you've, you've been trained, you've, you've seen what this is all about, now it's time to go back into the world. And he makes them step out of their comfort zone. He asks them to step out of their comfort zone. They go out on what's the very first mission trip. And they have a blast. And they come back and they have all these great things to tell Jesus. Jesus is excited to hear it. And then he adds a few more people to the mix and he says, now you guys go out. And they come back, and they have a lot of exciting things to say. So eventually, Jesus sends out 72 people on a mission trip. Now, these 72 folks, they came back, and they were jumping up and down. And they said, Jesus, you you want to believe the miraculous things. You want to believe the, the teaching. You want to believe the people that came to Christ. And Jesus got so excited that he stopped, and he prayed, and he thanked the Father. And this is... uh. I want to read for you a paragraph. I want to challenge you to go home and read Luke 10. This is just a paragraph of Jesus' excitement. It's the only time I really see him this excited. Luke 10, verse 21. At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Spirit, and He said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank You for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased You to do it this way. Jesus was pumped because these guys, they finally got it. They finally understood it. You see, Jesus sent them out of their comfort zone and into ministry. And that's the fourth reason why the church exists. A place to serve or a place to serve from. The big fancy word here is ministry. You see, because ministry is all about serving others. But for us, it works kind of like a tech school, right? you got your academic schools where you sit and you, and you learn in class. But then you have your tech schools where you're learning with your hands. And that's what ministry is like. I remember reading a book from a, a pastor who was in seminary. And he said he was learning this stuff and it was great. And he was going to class and it was fine. But he wasn't really excited. Then a group of people came to him and invited him to go serve the homeless. And once a week, these guys would go down 
uh, under the bridge where the homeless people lived, and they would, they would spend the night there, and they would feed them, and they would minister to them. They would love these guys. And this pastor who wrote this book, he said the scriptures came to life because he was doing what he was reading, right? He was getting out and he was doing it. The church's job is to help you discover how you are designed for ministry and then to organize you to go do it. I want to tell you something that's going to be kind of tough to swallow. If, if you found yourself growing but kind of plateauing lately, kind of stalling out, and you're wondering, hey, what happened? When I first started this, man, I was burgeoning. I was growing. It was exciting. But now I'm kind of stalling out. I've been trying to lose weight lately. I've been using this app to do it. And at first, man, I was losing a pound a day, it seemed like. It was happening. Now I've like plateaued, right? Maybe your growth is kind of plateaued. I want to challenge you and say that you're going to stop growing unless you start serving. It's biblical that you're going to stop growing unless you start serving in ministry. I've kind of caught us up just highlighting a a few events of Peter and Jesus. But Jesus left his, His earthly life. The Holy Spirit came. Bunch of people joined the church, and we, we see a picture in Acts 42, starting with verse 46 of the very first church. Here it is. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. I've underlined a couple of things here. First, verse 46. It says they worship together at the temple each day. Why would the first Christian church, followers of Jesus, choose to worship in the Jewish temple where Jesus was not being taught? Because God deserves His worship. They were just starting out and they said, We've got to worship God. That's part of the church. That's part of the routine, right? Lots of people, they'll choose churches based on what kind of music they play, what kind of uh, chairs they have, what kind of food is served afterwards, or what kind of people are in there. But regardless of those things, of what, what pleases you, it's all about what pleases God. Worship is what God deserves, and that's what we're called to do. Verse 47, it says, all while praising God. They did this all while praising God. They had an attitude of worship. You know, I've been finding myself with a bad attitude lately. I have. I've been busy. I've been stressed. I've been getting kind of negative and frustrated. Has ever happened to you? You just you get really stressed and you just kind of get a bad attitude. And God's been reminding me. He's been hammering me. Even, even as I wrote this, uh, these words down on this page this week, he reminded me that, that it's all about uh, praising God, to, to develop a praise habit, an attitude of worship. When we feel those pressures, when we feel that stress, when we feel that bad attitude coming, God's reminding me, stop. Worship. That's the fifth and final reason why the church exists, to be a, a place of worship. And the big fancy word here is Worship. And with that, we see a picture of the church as it should be. 
that people come into the church, that they build relationships with other believers, that they give their life to Christ and they begin to grow. And as they grow, they're then challenged to step out and serve, to step out of their comfort zone. And sooner or later, they look back. Maybe it was over a year. Maybe it was over many years. But they see a life that's been completely changed by Christ. So they then begin to invite others to the same life-saving, life-changing life of Jesus, or relationship to Jesus Christ through evangelism. That's the church as it should be. You know, I've worked for a lot of churches. I've been burned and hurt by a lot of churches. I've even wanted to quit ministry at one point in my life. For a couple of months, I gave it up. I said, I've had enough. But then I found Christ Church. i got to tell you, I'm really excited to be here. Even the name Christ Church, right? Because it's Christ Church. It's not Joe's Church. It's not a group of people who call themselves the Presbyterians or the Methodist Church, even though there's nothing wrong with that. Our name says it all as it's Christ Church. See, because the church is not a building, it's not an organization, it's not the pastors, right? It's not Jared Ott's church or John Guest's church. It's not what kind of music we play. It's about a community of believers. The people surrounded around Christ. That's the church. And I think Christ's church is a pretty good church. I've worked for a lot of churches and and uh, I can remember coming here and just getting so excited about the people I've been meeting and the things that have been happening. I remember last year when my kids were in child care, right? They weren't even in Sunday school yet. They were in child care, right? I, my, my only expectation is that they just kind of keep them alive. You know what I mean? But they would come home and they would tell us things about God. They would tell us things about Scripture. They would talk about how their grandfather who passed away is now in heaven with Jesus where there's no more boo-boos. And I would think, man, this church is great. There's something happening here. There's something going on. Now, we're not a perfect church, but we could be with your help. We could be. We're headed in the right direction. You know, I, I don't make a lot of decisions around here. I remember Pastor, Pastor Robbie said once that he's at the low end of the totem pole. Well, I'm at the office behind his, around the corner in a cave, okay? But I work with the people who make a lot of decisions here. And I've got to be honest with you, their heart is in the right place. It is. They love Jesus Christ. They want people to know Jesus Christ. They want people to experience fellowship, to grow. They want to train people to serve in ministry, and they want people to step out and bring others to Christ. That's the heartbeat of this church. It is. I wouldn't be working here if it wasn't. In Acts 2, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Gang, they joined the church. Now, this culture that we live in today, young people I'm working with as I see them kind of growing up, we kind of have an issue with commitment. We do. It's interesting, this word membership and how it's used today. I, I really sat down and thought about this and prayed about this, and I thought, well, you know, today in our culture, we, we join our health spa or we join the PTA or 
We join our employee union, the YMCA, the Giant Eagle. We get uh, subscriptions to Sports Illustrated Entertainment Weekly. In fact, my keychain was so full of those plastic cards that I had to get the app, you know what I mean, that stores everything in there. Because we have no problem joining things, becoming members of things. But there's one thing that all of that stuff has in common. And that is, if you sign up for one of those things, there's something in it for you, right? There's something in it for me. That's not the way when you join the church. Because it's not about you. It's about Christ. And it's about God's people. I think of it the same way as when a young man stands in front of a young woman and he makes a commitment. And he says, I want to marry this woman. I I want to, to love and to serve and to be faithful in good times and in bad times. I want to stand up and make that commitment in front of the Lord that she's going to be my family and I'm going to be there for my family. We live in a culture that marriage isn't looked at like that anymore. People say, why make that commitment? Why go through that? But a Christ follower still stands up and makes that commitment. And I want to I challenge you, I want to challenge the people in this world to be a Christ follower and make that commitment to the church. To stand up and say, yes, this is my family. I want to love my family. I want to serve my family. I want to be there for my family in good times and in bad. I know a lot of people that have left churches because they say, you know, something wrong is happening. I don't really like this. I don't like that. I said, why do you leave? Because you could be the person that sets them right. <laughs> you know? I didn't find it to be much of a coincidence that as I was putting this together today that John Guest uh, put together a membership class. He's going to be teaching a membership class on November 16th. There's a blue uh, insert in your bulletin. And I also didn't find it to be a coincidence that just a couple of weeks ago... I was standing on these steps joining the church myself. You see, when you work for a church, uh, I've worked for a lot of them, uh, you don't really have to join, you know? And you just kind of move from church to church, and that's what's happened to me. But this place, as I thought about it, as I prayed about it, I said, you know what, I want to join. I want this to be my family. I want to protect my family. I want to love my family. I want to support my family in good times and in bad. Pray with me, please. Father God, we love you. And God, I thank you for this place and all that you're doing. And God, although there might be disagreements as to, about, as to how to go about doing something here in this place, I know that we, we never disagree about why. Because it's your church and it's your people. That's why. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would would move within us as we go throughout our, our lives this week. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to the world around us, to hurting people who need you. God, use us just as you used Peter to bring people to that life saving, life changing relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.